Once again, good morning and welcome to anybody who may be joining us from out of town, any visitors, returning former students. It's good to have you here at St. Mary's in Aggieland. What a, a fun weekend, an awesome weekend. Hopefully everybody can uh, nudge each other if anyone starts falling asleep during the homily. <clears throat> First off, let's just start off with uh, what is a blessing? You know, we want to make sure that we have good Catholic theology and, and stray away from superstition. So First off, we know that a blessing is asking for God's invocation for protection or for sanctification. So, you know, yeah, that's exactly what it is. That even when you bless yourself with holy water, when you come into the church, you're saying that you've been set apart through your baptism, that you are sanctified for the Lord, that you've been claimed for Christ. As well as if maybe someone blesses a football field and you're asking for protection on the players and their safety and that grace builds on nature. So the players, they practice and they, they win because they've been practicing. And if the Lord wants to allow a football and a field goal to move a little bit towards the right, then that's up to his grace, right? All right, let's dive into our gospel. You know, in Hebrews today, we hear, brothers and sisters, indeed the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. So my hope today is that we can allow the living word to once again pierce our hearts as a two-edged sword, to call us to truth, conviction, conversion. So as you remember, we're in Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 17. If you have your Bible, feel free to follow along. You have the story of the rich young man, probably a story that you've heard since you were a kid one that's familiar to you. But just to be able to bring some highlight and reflection for us today as we are here to worship and give thanks to our God. So first off, we hear as he was setting out on a town, a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to e inherit eternal life? A question on this young man's heart and hopefully on each one of our hearts and minds. Because we know that we are not made just for this world, that there is life to come. So how do we spend that life to come with our Lord who created us? You know, Jesus doesn't respond right here saying, just accept me as your Lord and Savior and you'll spend eternal life with me, right? It's not what he's saying. What Jesus says here, if we have to skip down to verse 19, is he goes, you know the commandments. You shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and your mother. So yes, my friends, faith in Jesus is important. But Jesus is leading, I went to this question, he's leading this young man to the commandments. But which commandments is he leading him to? You know, when Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, he receives two tablets. The first side of those tablets is the first half of the Ten Commandments, which are focusing on relationship with God and honoring God. The second half of those tablets is loving our neighbor, respecting our neighbor, honoring our neighbor. And those are the ones that Jesus is saying today. So whenever we see how, must, how can I enter eternal life, yes, faith in Jesus, and then we allow our works to flow from that faith. How important it is, as Jesus is telling us in his own words, for us to love our neighbor, to allow our faith to affect our lives, that we live it out not just here on Sunday, but when we leave these walls and we're on that campus. So another question that maybe we, we skipped over on verse 18, you know, we hear Jesus say, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. So what is Jesus saying there? Is he saying he's not God? 
You know, this is something scripture scholars have had to go look at the church fathers on. The church fathers being those early bishops, those early leaders of the church, and one, two, third, uh, 300 um, years after the church was founded. And a lot of them are pointing to, you know, Jesus throughout scripture. He doesn't want people to know that he's God right away, that he's trying to gently lead them to the fact that he is fully God and fully man. So here he doesn't deny that he's not God, but he is trying to help them to realize that only God is good. And that he doesn't deny that he's God, but that he also is just giving glory and praise to God. So that's something, too, a little bit that he's hinting at it, but also doesn't deny that he is God. All right, so we move back to verse 20, and he says, He replied and said to him, Teacher, all these things I observed from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You are lacking in one thing. I don't know about you, but in times of prayer, in my own prayer, in my own convictions, in times of my heart, Sometimes I receive a truth from the Lord, maybe an area that I'm falling short in in sin, maybe an area of my past that I just need healing from. And Jesus right here is convicting this young man to the one thing he's lacking. But what is he doing that with? He's doing it with eyes of love. It says he's loving him in that. You know, that's what love is, to will the good of another. So Jesus encounters us in our sin and then he wants to raise us up from it. He wants to bring us out of that darkness. He wants to be able to find healing and to be able to be raised up. And so that's exactly what he's doing in this moment, and he does in each of our lives as well. And he does it in love, in loving us. We can picture Jesus in our times of prayer, in times of conviction, where our heart is pierced, picturing Jesus' eyes loving us. All right, so he goes on and we hear, what is he lacking? Since you are lacking one thing, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I would say that this is a one thing he's lacking, but it has two parts. So the two parts are, first off, we hear that, yes, he needs to be able to release himself of his attachments to his possessions and give to the poor. But then also Jesus says, then come follow me. So Jesus is wanting him to be his disciple, to give him his everything so that he can live a life for Christ. My friends, this is something for us to hear of, you know, of at that statement, his face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. And then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. What is Jesus saying here? You know, of, are we supposed to give away all of our possessions? If any of you are wealthy, are you not going to heaven? It's hard saying for each of us to be able to hear but what our God is getting at is really making sure that we allow the poor to teach us what it's like to have a dependence on God. You know, they don't have possessions. They don't have wealth to take the place of God in their life. Whereas many of us, you know, we're living in the richest country in the world, most prosperous country in the world. And how many times in our own life do we allow even good things to get in the way of our relationship with God? Even good things such as family or friends or celebrations or football even or whatever it may be for us, technology, money, addictions, alcohol, whatever that is for you. What is the thing that sometimes get in our way in our relationship with God? What possessions are holding us from living in the freedom of God? And it is true. Like We need to be able to give to the poor so that we're able to live a life so that we're not attached to the things of this world so we can stay focused on things of heaven. And that's the beauty of us being able to have the church, too. Even as a young priest, I see, you know, all of our generous donors and benefactors that give to St. Mary's, and how then Father Will and the staff here discern of how are we supposed to prudently use this money in order to bring about the kingdom of God here in Aggieland. 
So this beautiful, since the very beginning of the church, of people giving money to the church, and then the church distributing it for the greater good and the glory of God, as well as helping the poor. So my friends, even on this matching weekend, you know, of it kind of, we didn't even know these readings were coming up for this weekend, but a way for us to be able to say, yes, you know what, with my faith, with my money, with my possessions, I'm going to stretch myself a little bit to be able to give to this campus ministry, to be able to continue the good work that our Lord is doing through Holy Mother Church here in Aggieland. So we continue on and we hear, says on verse 27, or verse 26, they were exceedingly astonished and said among themselves, then who can be saved? You know, even the apostles, the disciples there, they hear this thing about the rich not entering the kingdom of heaven, then any, how can any of us be saved? All, they, even the disciples had money themselves. Once again, we hear Jesus say, for human beings it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. My friends, this helps us to remind us that only by God's grace are you here this morning, right? Only by grace are we able to say, Jesus is Lord. And so we have to remember that we can't fall into this heresy of we call Pelagianism, thinking we earn our salvation. No, it's all given to us as gift. The beauty of a baby being baptized is the faith is giving to that baby nothing that it's earned. And so we have to remember that as we go through our life, yes, we are called to love our neighbor. Yes, we're called to give money to the poor and to the church. But at the same time, all of this is not adding up little ticks for our salvation. Our faith is gift. And then we allow that gift to flow also than our works and our good to, that we do to our neighbor. Especially as Catholics, good for us to keep in mind. We're not earning salvation. It's a gift we receive from God, and then we act on that gift. All right, so continuing on, Peter began to say to him, we have given up everything and followed you. Jesus said, amen, I say to you, there's no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake or for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age and eternal life in the age to come. My brothers and sisters, this is a promise that Jesus gives each one of us as his disciples. If we give him our everything, if we, including our possessions and our money, if we allow them not to be an obstacle to our faith, if we're detached from our possessions in this life, he promises not only in eternal life, but now in the present age that he will bless us. Now in the present age, he will allow us to flourish. And that's one of the basic truths that he's sending us today, my friends. That if we are able to be detached from the things of this world, if we're able to be detached from our possessions, then it's going to open us up to living in the freedom of Christ in this life and then in the next. A couple of practicals as we're ending, you know, we had the CFRs that were just here and they talked to some of our student leaders. In some ways, they encouraged them to be detached from possessions is number one is maybe you give away something that is a new shirt you just bought or maybe a valuable thing to you that you give to the poor, you give to someone in need, something that you enjoy as a way of saying, no, I detach from this. This is a gift, something I value, something that I like. They also said, how do you encounter the poor when they're on the street? Do we give them money or no, giving them their human dignity, telling them, rolling down the window, introducing yourself, what is your name? Have a good day. Can I pray for you for something? Maybe you have some granola bars in your back that you keep stashed and you give them something out the window. I know we don't have as many people on the streets here that we do, but when we're going to Austin or wherever it may be, that we can be able to be Christ to the poor as well. Because my friends, eternal life is what Jesus is promising us. And if last night was an awesome game for you and you experienced tons of awesome joy, 
eternal life is going to be a million times greater than Texas A&M beating Alabama, right? I even heard from Midnight Yell that God has a house with some Aggie flags, so uh, even greater from that too, right? So my friends, as we continue on today and into tomorrow and for the rest of our lives, for us to be able to journey with this rich young man, man to have a, this phrase on our heart, this question on our heart, what must I do to enter eternal life? That we allow our faith in Jesus Christ to be able to form us, that our good works and our love from neighbor come from that faith, and that we allow the Lord to help us detach from our possessions, knowing that if we do so, that he promises blessing now and for all of eternity. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.